In Canada, one woman is killed in a violent act every other day. The spike in domestic violence that began during the pandemic is still on the rise. Numbers in Canada have leapt by 27 percent since 2019, and in Israel, the situation is just as critical, with 16 Israeli women already murdered this year. True to its mission, CHW is stepping up to support emergency services in Canada and Israel at this critical time. Help CHW empower victims of domestic violence by supporting the 27-hour SOS crowdfunding campaign. From August 22nd to 23rd, every dollar will be quadrupled when you donate online at chwsos.ca. That's the sound of the other ones, a Grateful Dead tribute band that played at Earl Bales Park in Toronto this past July. They're one of the six musical acts that performed as part of the Ashkenaz Festival's New Summer Jam Concert Series. There were three shows, each featuring more traditional Jewish music, along with a jam band. Something like the Grateful Dead or Fish, with lengthy improvised jams and a whole lot of good vibes. Eric Stein, the artistic director of the Ashkenaz Festival in Toronto, deliberately wanted to juxtapose these two types of music to try and introduce unique Jewish acts to a mainstream audience. I mean, there's another thing that I think is an interesting point about parallels between the deadhead experience and the Jewish experience. As Jews, wherever we go in the world, when you meet another Jew, there's always a thing of like when you show up someplace and you know, when you're 1% of the population, and you show up someplace and you find another one like you, you connect. Being a deadhead is the same thing. I'm David Sklar, co-host of the CJN Arts podcast, Culturally Jewish, filling in for Ellen Bessner today. This is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. On the most recent episode of Culturally Jewish, I got to sit down with Eric Stein and my co-host Alana Zakon to chat about why so many Jews love the jam band scene and what inspired the folks at Ashkenaz to put on this free summer series. If you want to hear the full conversation, subscribe to Culturally Jewish wherever you get your podcasts or visit the cjn.ca slash culture. Beth David Hebrew School is now accepting new students. One of Toronto's most dynamic egalitarian conservative congregations is offering personalized Hebrew lessons, hands-on learning, exciting field trips, and small group activities, all with a hot dinner included. This is Jewish exploration that will last your children a lifetime. Classes run weekly on Monday nights from 5 to 7.15 p.m. starting September 18th. To learn more and enroll, visit BethDavid.com or email Adina, that's A-D-I-N-A, at BethDavid.com. So joining us today is Eric Stein. Eric is an accomplished musician and band leader, an award-winning songwriter and recording artist, and a leading figure in Canada's music Jewish scene. And for those of you who don't know, Ashkenaz Festival is one of the biggest Jewish music fests that take place annually in Toronto. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So we just heard a handful of people give their theories why Jews like jam bands. I'm curious, why do you think that is the case? Uh, well, I think uh, definitely what, what we just heard, there's a lot of truism in that, a lot of the things that I can relate to and, and sound familiar to me. Um, let's start with the first thing. It's great music. Like, 
Jew, Jewish or not Jewish, it's great music. So let, you know, we shouldn't put that. Uh, that that should remain first and foremost, because if there wasn't great music at the heart of this phenomenon, what would it really be about? You know, what, right? Would it even exist? So that's the first departure point. Um, a lot of what the the people we just heard speak resonates for me. The person who was talking about his experiences at Summer Cube, um, I think that that sort of speaks to a, a pretty um, critical aspect of this question, which is just the social context. What kind of social context uh, are Jews socialized into where they're exposed to music like this and where it becomes a sort of galvanizing uh, point for friendships and social interactions. And the Grateful Dead experience provides a lot of things that are parallel to what's provided by religion in terms of offering community and meaning and and um, all that kind of thing. Can you give I us think- a few examples of what those rituals look like for someone who's maybe never been to a jam band event? Right. Well, I mean, the rituals are... Um, <laughs> There's a whole bunch. Smoking weed is one of them yeah, for sure. Fair enough. I was I was thinking in my head, how do I you know say that elegantly? Um, <laughs> maybe it's not all that elegant a point, but it's certainly uh, a salient one in terms of this scene that you know the the recreational habits of of Jews, young and old, uh, do frequently include the consumption of recreational drugs, and this music is very very much conducive to great experiences that are enhanced by uh, the drug of choice, whatever it may be. Um, but I don't want to put it all on that because I think it is it is far more than that. So, Eric, before we started recording, you were talking about how, you know, many Jews who are coming really are very down and really want to see the Grateful Dead cover bands, but are a bit more standoffish when it comes to the actual Jewish-centric uh, or Jewish bands. Can you tell us why maybe that is happening? Well, uh, I mean, that's really the the crux of this whole thing. And um, even in terms of why we did this series this summer, for me, it was a personal opportunity to tie together a lot of different musical worlds of mine. Um, But myself and my colleague, Samantha Parnes, who together we've been sort of running Ashkenaz for many years, uh, the two of us both come from this background as people that became music lovers in our teens through these jam band type experiences. We were both people that drank some funny Kool-Aid at some point and ended up becoming interested in klezmer and Yiddish music. And that made us outliers in a lot of way from our groups, our, our respective groups of friends who would go, you know, be deadheads or go see fish or whatever. Um, so for years, we've been doing stuff at our festival and certainly my, my instincts as a programmer are always to program things that I think are just musically great. And if it's musically great, in theory, it should also appeal to all of my friends and peers who I think have great taste in music and and are also, I think, open-minded music listeners, except it doesn't, or at least it hasn't for the most part. Um, I think there's really something problematic for a lot of people about music being labeled as Jewish music. And that comes from, from a, uh, I'm sure it comes from a lot of different places for different people. But from my group of friends that I'm thinking of, the people who for years I'm saying, you know, I've got this amazing thing that I bring to the Ashkenaz Festival that I know you'll love if you'll just come and they don't come. Um, 
And even because it's what a factor of like it's uncool or because they perceive it as religiosity or they're just it's not my thing. All of the above. All of the above. I think. But but the last point of it's not my thing, that's the most insidious, problematic aspect of this. It's It's like pre-decided. It is your thing. Why don't you just come? Because you'll find that it's your thing. And last night uh, we had the second concert in the Summer Jam series and the opening band was um, this bluegrass band from Boston that happened to be observant Jews um, who inject their spiritual spirituality and their experience of Jewish uh, ritualism and Jewish spiritualism. They inject it into their, into their music. It's a perfect, really authentic, really sincere and very exciting blend of bluegrass American musical tradition with Jewish spirituality. That's really cool. It's re- it was great. And so a bunch of my friends, like I, we got the, the, you know, the band cover band, Chess Fever on the bill. And I'm, and I, my hope is, okay, you guys are going to come and you're going to see this band at the beginning and you'll be like, oh, wow, that was really cool. I didn't expect that. But, you know, for the days and hours leading up to the show last night, these friends of mine, they're like texting me and asking me, so when's, when's Chess Fever on? They're all timing their arrival. That God forbid their ears should be uh, infected <laughs> with a minute of any music that has Jewish next to it. But there were a bunch of, uh, there were some of those people that did show up and they were all like, wow, that band is great. And and those guys, I told them about the, the whole spirit of the series. And I said, maybe you guys want to cover something from one of these bands that we're sort of paying homage to in this Summer Jam series. So they ended up covering a dead song, Eyes of the World. They did a beautiful, amazing job of it that some of these friends that actually did make it to here were like blown away by. And I was blown away by it. It was great. Uh, <laughs> It sounds like that's speaking to your earlier point about community and how people are moving away from it, but yet they're finding it through music. It, it really speaks a lot to our times. And it's very interesting how I find this even in a universal sense. We're in a, you know an era where people are like anti-religion, but yet they find all these other things to be religious about, whether it's yoga or you know, action movies or whatever it is that is their thing. And I think as humans, we have this natural inclination towards wanting that spiritual collective experience. And it's the labels that I think people get really, really stuck on. Yeah, I I think that's a a very good point. I mean, but I I don't think it's it's not just labels. It's also their own, uh, let's call it. (laughs) Trauma. I, for lack of a better <laughs> whatever totally. they grew up, whatever their experience of, of their parents and their grandparents and yeah. whatever it is that they weren't told growing up. And yeah. I mean, here's, yeah. a, here's an interesting, I, I have made this point in a number of interviews over the years, talking to people and explaining my connection with classroom music. You know, I grew up in a very, very secular family. We didn't even go to synagogue for high holidays. You know, the first time I really went to synagogue was for my own bar mitzvah, which I learned phonetically written in English. Uh, at the most reformed shul you could possibly imagine. Um, I had none of that connection with Jewish life, Jewish spiritual practice, ritual practice, uh, until I got involved in the klezmer music scene in my mid-20s. And that was something that appealed to me on an intellectual level, on a spiritual level, on a heritage level, cultural level. I mean, I'm I'm a prototypical, uh, a stereotypical cultural Jew. That's my experience of Judaism. So every day of my life, being a Jewish musician, working in the Ashkenaz Festival, working in the Jewish community, I'm living a Jewish life every day. I'm thinking about my Judaism. I'm working within that. So many of 
friends of mine who are, you know, these sort of, let's call them white whales or whatever, the ones who won't come out, they're people that grew up being dragged to synagogue on high holidays and being sent to Jewish day school, perhaps. And right. maybe something about that experience really created uh, an inhibition uh, against ever going there. It's like a, a big trigger for them. Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely is. And like you think about, you know, summer camp, which is such a touchstone experience for so many Jews, um, for me as well. Uh, that's a completely, mostly secular experience for the one the camps that I don't think about, like you know the W camps and 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 all those in Ontario. They were mostly secular camps that happened to be attended by a whole lot of Jews. This is the the uh, the, the the laboratory to 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 create this community of Jewish people that like to hang out with each other and do everything Jewish, except actually connect with something that's <laughs> Jewish, right. Well, I love that, though. Like, I love that there's a way in for everyone. And even the people who might say, like, oh, I don't really do anything Jewish. Maybe music is the thing that the one thing that um, connects them to their ancestry. And why not? If that's the way in in the same way that you're saying, you know, people come to these jam band events and they pick their own adventure and they decide like how they want to have their experience. I think there's a lot of that in Judaism and the way that it's evolved and people figuring out kind of what Judaism means to them. Yeah, no, I think you, you you totally nailed that. That's uh, that's exactly what it's about. Uh, I mean, there's another thing that I think is an interesting point um, about parallels between the deadhead experience and the Jewish experience. As Jews, wherever we go in the world, when you meet another Jew, there's like this instant kind of connection of like, ah, totally. Jews, we both have a shorthand, we both, whatever it is, you know, you can talk it out and see what's actually there. But there's always a thing of like when you show up someplace and you know when you're 1% of the population and you show up someplace and you find another one like you, you connect. Being a deadhead is the same thing. You can go anywhere in the world. You see a guy walking down the street and he's wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. Right away, there's a connection. Right away, you have a language you can speak with that person. And and I mean, I've experienced that. I know lots of people have experienced uh, a similar kind of thing. Um, so I think that's a, a big part of it. One other thing that I think is also interesting about the, the dead experience, uh, vis-a-vis -vis Judaism, um, there's a kind of midrash of the grateful dead of like, you know, studying the phenomenon, d debating which version of scarlet begonias is better, is the best <laughs> version, keeping statistics on the history of the band how many times did they play this song? After that song on a Tuesday when the moon was full, like all this kind of obsession with statistics and facts and that story. Um, I mean, there's there's a book called Dead Base, which is this massive, basically reference encyclopedia of every show the Grateful Dead has ever played. And every, all the statistics are analyzed in terms of the number of songs that are played. Um, I mean, for the people of the book, this is a great book if you're into the Grateful Dead, right? So I think that there's there's um, an aspect of the experience that that scratches that itch in some way. Well, Eric, you know, you've definitely opened my eyes and ears to the joys of jam bands and the Ashkenaz Festival. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking about both today. My pleasure. It's a, a topic I would speak about for hours with anybody, so. <laughs>
And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Thanks for listening.